Welcome to the Friday edition of the Mike and Mario show. We are live uh, looking forward to connecting and talking about prior week activity as well as looking ahead. But before we do that, Mario, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, uh, Mike, and you? Uh, I'm doing excellent, man. It's Friday, and as always, it's good to connect and just uh, bounce ideas off each other and try to make sense of this craziness out here. But uh, before we move further, uh, feel free, as always, to throw out thoughts, ideas, suggestions in the chat. We'll get to them uh, when we are able to. And, uh, yeah, so let's kick it right off, man. I think this week a lot of things uh, is unfolding. We have stuff here in the West, Jerome Powell getting grilled by politicians as if it's something he can really do about what's going on. And then out East, we got the summit and the announcement of some uh, some, some, new, some new additions to the monetary structure. And uh, so we'll jump into that. But uh, I want to, before I, before I do that, I want to just put up a little visual aid, get your thoughts on it. And so the focal point, of everything will be surrounded around gold, but what comes to mind when you when you see this little visual aid, Mario? Uh, BRICS nation and the challenge to uh, the United States, you know, to the Anglo-American uh, financial empire. So you've mm-hmm. got the Brazilian president uh, Bolsonaro, then you've got uh, Putin behind the gold bars there, and you've got the South African president uh, Modi from India and Xi Jinping from uh, China. And uh, they represent, uh, I think, a quarter of world GDP and 40% of the population. And I think they're trying to lure other countries into uh, the BRICS. It's not just going to be Brazil, uh, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Uh, You know, they're going to keep probably the acronym, but there will be many more nations. And I think uh, they will probably be, um, be... more than half the population of the world and maybe even up to half almost up to half i would say uh gdp they could add uh indonesia thailand countries like that uh, pakistan uh yeah. what else um yeah there's uh philippines could be one who knows right and so that and so I, it's, man this is just i think this is one of the most uh historical moments in modern history because we're witnessing the turning point for the global monetary structure and the fact that the West is so distracted by so many other uh, problems and the media is throwing every wrench at us. They can to keep us distracted and keep fear pumping through our bloodstreams while all along out East, they're making moves. And to, to add further to that BRICS uh, development, I think, you know, of course, the BRICS are the five leading nations that have been working towards this upcoming uh, announcement, whenever it comes. But then again, we have all those other, a smaller unions. And so Africa has like a little several country conglomeration. And then we got the CSO, Shanghai Cooperation Organization, with all the surrounding Asian companies, countries. Then we got the Eurasia, the U the E A U S A U East Euro Asians, whatever, with all the surrounding Russian countries. So right. So you start off with the big boys, the five nations, and then you get the small ones around them, and those, and you bring them all together at the end. It's going to be a hell of a party one day, and uh, the West wasn't invited. And so it's like, okay, will it will it be a peaceful transition, or will there be some type of conflict? Because this stuff never rolls over in a friendly manner. But um, but let's get into some nuts and bolts of what's going on, man. And so this is definitely worth talking about. We got all types of stories, so we'll get to it. But um, the summit taking place right now and uh 
so far, I said earlier this week, you know, Putin and his and the whole entity over there in Russia were talking about the the SPFS, which is the Alternative Payment Messaging System, and the BRICS can access it right now. It's up and running. It's good to go. And of course, on my side, I've been talking about the fact it's already been ready, just waiting on the right moment. And it seems that right now, heading the summer, is the right time to make all these announcements. And so here we have uh, something coming from the Western media, which you know, is not too surprising, but uh, a challenge to the dollar. Now, gold, of course, is going to be anchor. We were trying to bounce ideas off each other earlier as to how this is going to play out. But so right now, how do you think the initial rollout will actually play out? Yeah, I mean, that headline there says uh, they're creating a new reserve currency. I personally don't think they're going to create like a single currency mm-hmm. like the euro or the dollar. Uh, they will have a, a moni- monetary trading system where uh, gold will be an important part of underlying or um, supporting being an anchor for that system. But I think they'll keep using their own national currencies for domestic uh, use for individuals and businesses. Yeah. Um whether I, I'm not sure, you know, they, they've probably seen what happens in Europe with the euro. It's been kind of a disaster for, for Europe. So I'm not sure they, they want to have um, a single currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, because they all they, they go on about a lot, the multipolar world, right? Yeah. So if you're going to have a multipolar world, you want different currencies. A little bit like uh, during the uh, 19th uh, and early 20th century, when every country really still had its own currency, but they were uh, were linked uh, with gold, all of them. They had a gold standard. Some people think it could be currency is also a, a basket of commodities, backing currencies. The only problem I see with that is that most commodities are consumed. Uh, unlike gold, gold has a stock to flow ratio of 84 years and other commodities, you know, they're consumed. So they're very volatile. So I, I don't I don't think it would be a, a good thing to back uh, currencies with commodities that are consumable. Yeah. How about that basket, of course, being anchored around gold with a certain percentage just because that is, a, I'm sure, a criteria for every one of those five nations to be able to sit down together and continue to work and move forward together just to show that they're committed to this transition. But then on top of that, all five of those other nations are naturally rich in other types of rare, rare, rare earth metals and things of that nature, which will be very important for every nation has their own agenda. China has the one belt, one road. Russia has the whatever they're going to end up connecting to that. And then Africa as well and Brazil that Latin American trade situation. So everybody got something to bring to the table. They all need the, 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 the uh, I guess the infrastructure, the metals and things of that nature that come from that, uh, from those rare earth metals. So I think adding percentages of certain other types of things that the world needs to, in order to stay in there really, really certifies and establishes trust. Yeah, in I guess it could help. It could help. It's just that if they want other countries to join, there might be some other uh, smaller countries that have no natural resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where your gold come in handy because yeah. every nation been re- repatriated and, and getting their weight yeah. up the last several years. So if you just come yeah. to the table with 2%, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You, you can pretty you, uh, you don't need gold, uh, you know, uh, underground 
in to accumulate gold mm -hmm. uh, because it's money you can accumulate gold by uh, producing things exporting things and um yeah but if a country that doesn't have maybe too much uh too many natural resources they would be at a di disadvantage if they the basket of commodities is you know is too very important mm -hmm. but uh, who knows yeah and to, to move further, just, you know, with the announcement or him talking about exploring possibilities of creating an international reserve currency. So put all that together, international reserve currency. It's like, you know, the first thought is a singular because it's mm. not saying currencies, but it says based on a basket of BRICS currency. So it's like, okay, so those those five nations will be the primary anchor that then the rest of the world would acknowledge as that reserve. I guess so because they're the most uh, economically powerful, mm -hmm. so that that makes sense. But it, it's better than just having one nation like mm -hmm. the U.S. controlling it. And I think these uh, BRIC countries, uh, they've learned that um, having just one nation controlling the mm -hmm. world reserve currency is not a good thing for that nation because every other country in the world wants to earn dollars. So. Yeah. You know, the, the U.S. has built so much uh, imbalances yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, made the U.S., you know, I don't like to say the word, but lazy mm -hmm. because you can just print print the dollars and buy anything you want. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and, mm -hmm. and I think these these guys are not stupid. They've done right. their homework and right. they don't want to make the same mistake. I think it's called the Triffin Paradox. Mm -hmm. You know, reserve currencies eventually <laughs> collapse because um, so much debt has to be created. But right. when you have gold, it's uh, neutral. Right. Now, how about this BRICS currency basket scenario? It mimics what the West has already created with the UN and the, uh, the use of the SDR uh, from the IMF as a global basket that everybody right now recognizes and that everyone contributes to it in according to their own percentages and portions or whatever. But then they do something similar to where the BRICS is the leading entity. They have that basket of five currencies as their, you know, BRIC SDR version. And then from that, all other nations participate accordingly based upon, you know, however they curtain it, the, the yeah. weightage of their currency in that same basket. But then of course, all pegged to something stable in the form of gold. So, yeah. Yeah, the SDR, the SDR yeah. is backed by nothing, <laughs> and and uh, John Exter he wrote in 1972 because mm -hmm. the SDR was created in '69. It's just a basket of fiat currencies, right? Right. But on the counter to that, though, but the the BRICS they would they would not they they wouldn't do that exact same thing. They no, would then, that's what I'm saying. They right, would right. Be a backed SDR if you want to say it. Yeah. But uh, John Exter said that. Fiat currencies like the dollar are IOU nothings, mm -hmm. and uh, SDRs are even worse because you don't even know who issues them. Like who? It, so he calls it "Who owes you nothing," right? <laughs> but I, I think the BRICS—they'll uh, probably have a BRICS SDR, but it will be backed by gold and maybe some uh, basket, small basket of commodities as well. The BRICS. 
drawing rights <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> just just it, just on a play on words, I could see them using that just to make fun of the West. Or, if, or if, they, if, they could uh, use uh, Keynes. Uh, Keynes wanted to call uh, have a world currency called Bancor, B A N C O R. They could mm -hmm. take the Mickey out of Keynes and use a Bancor. See, but the thing problem is that there's a Bancor project now based out of Israel that is a cryptocurrency type oh. of that. So like, so yeah, that'd be a, yeah, but no. So, uh, so real, real quick, let's touch on the fact that on top of the bricks coming out with their basket for some type of world competitive currency, they also have the, uh, the reliable alternative mechanisms for international settlements. So we got the anchor of the system will be whatever brick decided to put up there, but then on the, interoperability retail level for international trade of goods and services even talking about rerouting uh the BRICS nations amongst themselves their trade to support one another during this transition so the spff is russia's version of course china has the sips and then everybody's got their own versions so like utilizing the blockchain digital ledger technology type space how do you think that things will play out for the on the retail side as far as uh you know i guess uh chinese citizens having access to russian citizens and chinese and, and african being able to buy through like alibaba and stuff like that will it be yeah i think it's going to be like uh we do nowadays you know uh when i buy something from amazon mm -hmm. i use pounds uh with my debit card or mastercard or whatever mm -hmm. and it will be the same i don't think they're going to be burning yeah they're going to be using their own currency Mm -hmm. uh, but um, it will be a parallel system to the Western system. Mm -hmm. And I think they've got a, a good hang of, uh, of it. Uh, you know, they, they've had to adapt because of all the sanctions uh, that the U.S. has been putting for years on, on, on countries like Russia and Iran. And now with uh, the SWIFT situation, they've banned the Russian banks from SWIFT. And, and I think the Chinese have been developing their own payment system anyway, isn't it? SIPs, yeah, or SIPs, yeah. So, but um, yeah, uh, all you have to think about is like uh, what we do nowadays in the West. You know, they'll be able to do it there. But I don't think they're going to be using, you know, the BRICS currency to to buy things online. They're going to be right. using, you know, the the South African <laughs> Rand, the Brazilian real still. It, it, yeah. it just be for uh, the BRICS reserve currency will be for nations to settle um, surpluses and deficits with each other. Right. Now, to, to, to further the uh, deterioration of our monetary structure, I think current uh, pressures place, placed on uh, Russia and in reference to this whole historic <laughs> debt default, then I got another article to counter this. And of course, the narrative coming out of Russia is completely different than what this is. But it says Russia is days away from historic default as a hundred million payment comes due with Moscow cut off from the global financial system. Ooh. And, and, and so uh, on the flip side of that, there's another article here uh, just real quick. Russia fulfills euro bonds obligation using new mechanism that allows it to pay in rubles. So, Basically, Putin is saying, we'll pay you. We got everything we need to pay you in our own rubles. We'll let you do the conversion, but we're going to make good on our debts. It's just it's in, our, in our own currency. But yet, the nations and, and the creditors may or may not be willing to accept this payment 
or will they will be the question. So uh, do you think this Western pushed and uh, uh, need for Russia to default will be more of an escalation to the deterioration of the banking crises and things of that nature if these bonds are not paid the way that they want, you know, the West want to be paid or what? Yeah, I mean, Russia doesn't care about it because, they, mm-hmm. you know, they have the money, but it's been stolen and they've been uh, like, uh, how can I say, blocked from using the Western system. Yeah. The people it's going to hurt are the uh, creditors in the U.S. and Western Europe, mm-hmm. and they they could actually um, sue Western governments because they could argue, you know, that Russia has the money to to pay the bonds, uh, but the West is not allowing it. So it could backfire completely uh, in terms of the uh, the uh, risk to stability. Yeah, it, it could hurt financial institutions. Uh, people might have to sell other assets because they're not getting uh, paid mm-hmm. uh, their, their Russian bonds. I don't know how much in total it would be. Uh, but it, it could have a small impact. Who knows? Yeah. And so the contagion would continue to spiral because uh, all of this, all of these banks and all these globally systemic important banks are interconnected. So when one domino falls, it's, it's unavoidable that it tips another one and stuff we won't even hear about until. But then again, we know Russia and, and Europe are having major issues right now with the gas situation. And then we have the euro debt crisis that's starting to implode. And, and also, you factor in, I want to bring up this uh, Credit Suisse and what you mentioned earlier from a Wall Street Silver about uh, the credit default swaps and how, based upon this, according to the way you're, you're telling me, is that they're expecting Credit Suisse to go, I guess, belly up or or, or what? What do you, how could, how could, could all this be like Russia defaults and they don't get paid because I'm assuming Credit Suisse may have some interconnected to that Russian debt as well or something through that. So if they don't get paid, could this be a trigger point for Credit Suisse to go belly up type of thing or what? Well, credit default swap is like an insurance against default. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, it's the highest it's been in about five years. And it was as we're even higher than when, than March 2020, as you can see here. Yeah. And uh, it could spill over into the Russian situation. But I think this is a little separate. It's more to do with uh, the the whole too big to fail banks, mm-hmm. and um, I guess maybe Credit Suisse is the new Deutsche Bank, <laughs> you know. But uh, um, this is serious because uh, the Credit Credit Suisse is not in in the eurozone because Switzerland is not part of the European Union, mm-hmm. but all these banks in Europe and the US and the UK are interconnected. Right. So if Credit Suisse uh, goes under and, uh, you know, it would be very serious. Yeah. And so I was looking up just to see the, the, the size um, of uh, Credit Suisse, and it was categorized as a globally systemic important banks. And so when one bank has issues, it automatically <laughs> connects it with other banks. And so uh, the idea of a bail-in. So I was doing talking earlier about Europe and the you know buying your situation and the non-performing loans and all the the pig nations in particular 
have not been solved. They've gotten worse. And a part of the suggestion, according to some information I was reading, was the EU eventually having to deal with that. So they were talking about creating a, a, a bad bank, a bank just literally to take all that in. They would provide the funding to, to, to bring it all together. But then again, it's it's too big to, to contain because it's in every single country. And I was like, the, the only probability would probably be a bail-in at some point. Right? Yeah, bail-in is... Uh, so so in, Cyprus yeah. was the door opener. And it's like... The, yeah. The other thing they did in Cyprus was um, they... Um, they took customers' deposit above the hundred thousand insurance, mm-hmm. and and then they gave them shares in the bank, which were oh. pretty much worthless. That was how they paid them. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so like, okay, you got shares in a you got shares in a bank, and it's good to say since that time frame, you know, the banks might have been depending. I mean, I think it was Likey Bank and a couple other banks I remember seeing because I was I was trying to follow it back then, but it, it's amazing how people don't really consider the fact that the, the debt contagion can spill out well beyond just a sovereign level down to the very depositor and it could be a global event on top yeah. of whatever the cyber or whatever they're afraid of hitting as well. So yeah, what so. people forget it's not just individuals that lose funds, mm-hmm. but also businesses that have to keep a big float. Right. They're not they're not exempt either, so it affects the whole economy. And uh, so, a business uh, that keeps a million euros to pay, you know, its bills, its you know, salaries and everything, uh, they could be left with just a hundred thousand, <laughs> and uh, they would go under. Yeah. Now, even that with that hundred thousand in this current environment. So this is, you know, I'm assuming they haven't adjusted the insurance on deposit because they haven't done it here. I think it's still two hundred fifty thousand. But, you know, given the current inflationary pressures and cost of living, it's like okay, that hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand now is, you know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't buy us nowhere near as what it did, you know, ten years ago, nevertheless twenty years ago. So, you're uh, still gonna be shortchanged. But anyway, it's just uh, uh, more of the contagion unspilling, but. Let's get into uh, just real quick. I want to share this uh, uh, this little clip from Austria. So I saw today that it looks like Austria is going back towards uh, some stimulus. So something was passed, I think, yesterday that each citizen will get 500 euros. I guess, as you mentioned, to, to you know, more currency to help fight inflation. <laughs> and so it's just interesting how this is the first country that I'm, I'm aware of that you know starting up there, you know, stimulus or. UBI, whatever it might be called, but uh, that's just one, and I'm assuming there's more to follow. But uh, California did that too, didn't they? Didn't they pass? They got some ex- certain certain experiments in different counties. So there's been more UBI testing going on throughout the uh, throughout the, throughout the U.S. And I want to say there's a whole coalition trying to really advocate for making it a state funded program nationwide, which. A year or two from now, given current conditions, I could see that being the case. So, uh, but it was already part of the plan. It's just they needed a reason to do it, and what better reason than you know was it eight point six today? And let's talk a little bit about uh, UK uh, inflation figures, man. Uh, you say that so the nine the nine point one was your most recent, but you said yeah. RPI. Give me, give me a yeah, CPI came out at nine point one, uh, and then. Uh, we have another measure called RPI, Retail Price Index, mm-hmm. that came out at eleven point seven, and and that includes council tax, which is the local tax, mm-hmm. and, and rents. 
So yeah, that the RPI was what was used prior to the UK adopting CPI mm-hmm. in the late 90s. Yeah, and it's going to get worse, I think, um, even uh, with commodities going down, the price of oil going down. I saw yesterday, I drove out, that uh, the price of uh, diesel is almost $2, uh, two pounds per liter. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, there's uh, four gallons to the liter, I think. I'm not sure. Four I think four, four and a half. Four point four, I think. So it's at an all-time high, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not going to end uh, there. I, I think uh, rising prices are here to stay because, and it's related to the BRICS. And you might think, why is it related to the BRICS? Well, because the BRICS, uh, they've got loads of dollars and euros and some pounds, mm-hmm. and they're scared of uh, that getting confiscated. So they're going to sell as much as that as possible. What are yeah. they going to do with that? Well, they're going to buy things, commodities, stockpile. They're going to buy gold. And that's going to be make our currencies worth even less. You know, yeah. it, it, the, our currency is coming home. <laughs> and the supply of it is going to go through the roof. We're going to need a lot more uh, of our own currencies to buy mm-hmm. uh, real things, commodities, while in the uh, in the BRICS countries, they're probably going to be better off because their currencies are going to be relatively strong, I would say, against our currencies. And mm-hmm. so the and they're going to be buying the commodities as well. Right. And that's the thing like with the BRIC nations, as you mentioned, because they have everything needed, they can sustain themselves a lot longer. Like Putin made it clear a couple months ago that, you know, we'll be able to weather the storm in the days ahead with no problem. And I'm like, well, you know, the U.S. won't because they're giving away strategic oil, energy and everything else. So, uh, Chris, it says, uh, appreciate your man, says, what will eventually cause a Fed to pivot? Thanks. And so I have my suspicions, Mario, like I mentioned before, I don't, you know, Common sense would tell us they need to pivot, but knowing that they are part of the reset agenda, I can see them not following suit the way that they have in prior, um, you know, tightening, measuring, tightening, tightening times. So my, my suspicion is I probably I'm probably the only one that would be willing to be so bold or either stupid, but saying that the Fed may not pivot. They mm. may let this thing crumble and point, point a finger, blame somebody else. And then an event happens which allows them to use that even further to where it's going to distract people even more so while they will continue to do some type of process. But to, to go back, man, the QE, I just find that hard to believe, but I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But, you know, what are your thoughts about this pivot? We already seen, you know, the financial markets, the bond market, mm-hmm. uh, saying that the Fed is going to stop raising rates in September. If you look at the uh, interest rate futures market, Mm-hmm. And also treasury yields, they've come off quite a bit uh, in the last two weeks. The 10-year uh, has come down from like 35 to just over 3%. The two-year as well is now like uh, at 304. That that had been up to almost 35 as well. So the other thing as well, I find it hard for the Fed to keep raising rates mm-hmm. if see gdp continuing to uh you know to contract wow. yeah we saw the pmi numbers yesterday they were close to 50 they dropped very sharply so yeah i think that's what will uh i don't know if they're gonna pivot directly they could just stop the uh tightening mm-hmm. 
wait and then they pivot. Who knows? Now, with the futures pricing in September, uh, so basically, so Q3 is when everybody's expecting them to pivot. So I see a lot of, I think, Luke Groman and other people say, you know, Q3, they pivoted, they pivoted. So I'm I'm saying based upon prior uh, events where the Fed was expected to, according to what the futures were pricing in, the probability was order 90% that they end up responding accordingly or or what what's the prob what's the probability that you know it's still 50-50 but based upon the you know the futures predicting that yeah. it will and that could change you know with the data coming forward in, in the next few weeks and months mm-hmm. you know uh, but I, I saw some charts as well on twitter that uh, people are already expecting the fed you know to raise a couple of times i guess until september and then cut again <laughs> like by next year um your point about not uh the fed not pivoting the only problem with that is that the under the law the fed has a, a duty to uh keep uh, full employment <laughs> and and also a stable stable prices and they're stable not prices. prices so if you get a recession Mm-hmm. There won't be full employment, so they could be in trouble from from Congress because Congress uh, is the institution that gave life to the Federal Reserve. Yeah, but uh, but so so even with those two mandates, full employment and price stability, they've already failed. Other than just using yeah. like just 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 talking about in this the grilling on Tuesday, you know, Elizabeth Warren. Describe precisely an hyperstagflationary event that I believe is occurring right now, and so basically, Powell said, "You know, there's, there's nothing really, really can do. We can't really. I mean, what what can they do other than just talk and pretend as if like you know, raising or hiking really matters at this point? You know, what I'm saying I, I think we're past the point of even uh, the horses have you know bolted and left the barn. Uh, right, it's his fault that we have rising prices." Because, and uh, you know, and also his predecessors mm-hmm. for rates, because this is uh, uh, a result of all the inflation since '08, uh, really. Yeah. So yeah, he's right that it's impossible because he was incompetent. But unfortunately, people in Congress, except for maybe a, a few like Rand Paul don't know much about uh, inflation and, and what um, they think it's rising prices. But uh, I guess the only option Powell has, like you said, to stop it would be to crash the economy. Um, yeah. So like, so he, he was, he's quoted as mentioning about landing, like, you know, landing, like, you know, hard landing, landing, soft landing. So think about the narrative. We had transitory inflation. We had, uh, what other you know little buzzwords they gave us you know uh, little, little two two word two yeah inflation speaking as well they were <laughs> about that. yeah so it's like you know a landing now it's like okay so your average person might be literally thinking oh the Fed can land it they can land this but even when you land it then what do you do like you do you get out the plane do you, I mean like mm-hmm. so they're talking about the global monetary system ultimately speaking and they're talking about landing it and it's like the best thing they could probably do is try to prolong the flight to keep the plane in the air never mind trying to land they could land uh they could land in the everglades and then they come out and there's full full of alligators there 
<laughs> yeah, that, yeah, a landing. So literally, the idea of using a landing lets us know they're trying to bring this down. Now it's a matter of how. And I'm, I'm like, it's a crash and burn scenario. Like, buckle up. And it's like the casualties. Let's talk about the casualties from whatever happened, whether it's a landing, soft heart, or crash. The monetary casualties would be those that I said are stuck in digital paper products, future promises to pay of that like those are the those are the primary yeah, casualties yeah the average worker as well right now we're seeing you know people going on on strikes here in the uk because they can't mm. afford to uh to make a living you know <laughs> and, and uh, someone i saw a comment some some of saying oh there's plenty of jobs it's just people don't want to work but why would you want to go to work if after all your costs of going to work and like uh You've got no money left. Yeah. You might as well stay home with your parents or whoever and do nothing. Um, and, and that's that's because the, the, the currency has been trashed. Uh, yeah. That's what's happening. It's the collapse. So with that, so that strikes. So like a part of the I think the, uh, the figures they're saying there's, you know, for every for every job opening, there's uh, two Un, two unavailable workers for every job opening out there. So basically just saying that, you know, the people who were not returning to work and not even counting no more, all that has pretty much, you know, doubled. And so it's like at this current moment, if people don't show up to work, that means businesses can't stay open. Services can't be provided. Goods can't be manufactured. So it's like an ever spiraling. Yeah. The other problem that's happening is businesses, even if they have workers, their inputs are going up in price, so their their costs are going up. They're having to pass that on to the consumer, and sometimes they can't, so they shut down. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you could have a hyperinflationary collapse where everything that you need uh, to survive and live is really expensive, and your currency doesn't buy any of it, while all the paper investments completely uh, go down the drain mm-hmm. you can buy uh, you know uh cheap tech stocks but no one has the money to buy it because right. they're uh, busy trying to buy food and, and pay for you know fuel and other things yeah and, and a part of that like you know a lot of those companies that have been around for countless years will be out of business and rebranding and the transition to this digital economy that they want is ever so obvious to where robotics automation artificial reality virtual reality all that stuff is being built up right now as we speak to be able to replace people and then you got people people coming out saying that you know you won't need to work because robots will do your job and you know all the fast food got automation robots now and that you know the sales have gone up tremendously for fast food to hire these robots and so it's like wow like you know everything you won't won't need to get married you can have a a Japanese doll, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and on top of that, so let's just touch on one or two more stories and then we'll open up for some thoughts, ideas, and questions. But uh the travel chaos. So here in the US, I think ten thousand, no, several thousand flights over this past Father Day um weekend were canceled and people stuck in airports and Europe yeah. the same way. It seems to be concerted. And I was reading here in the UK, people are still, or in Germany, people weren't showing up to work because they tested positive for the uh, 
the beer, you know, disease. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe people are still testing for that now. It's ridiculous. And I think the other thing as well is you shut down the economy for here in the UK it was 240 days, mm-hmm. like not all at once, but, you know, the, the second lockdown and the first. Yeah. You disrupt the whole airline industry or the airports. It's going to be difficult bringing it back. Yeah. And I think that's what they're finding. Or maybe it's also part of the agenda to discourage people from using, uh, from flying abroad or flying on holiday. Uh, of course, uh, Klaus Schwab and his cohorts, they all have access to private jets, so they're okay. Yeah, they'll be fine. And and to move along further, man, um, this, I might as well just share my two cents on this. So you brought this to my attention because I wasn't even aware of it, but... It looks like with the overturning of Roe vs. Wade ending 50 years of federal abortion rights. And so I have extremely mixed feelings on this because my question is, why now and for what? Like all of a sudden, like, you know, the U.S., which is a very immoral, godless country, all of a sudden care about, you know, the unborn. And so to me, this plays into laying the framework for the you know, not your body, not your choice, furthering that, you know, that stuff that they yeah. want to push around the world to where they say this, this opens the door for the government to somehow to say that they have the right to tell you what you can and can't do when it comes to, you know, to participating in the future. Well, yeah. The other thing I think it will do, you know, and I'm not really don't follow the U S that closely, these kinds of topics, but mm-hmm. It will divide people even more. Mm. This is a very divisive issue, mm-hmm. so it's not it's not good for a national harmony. Right, right. It's not definitely not going to unite us on you know on because this is an important cause. But you know this this whole topic is something that is that, that should never have gotten to this point. But it was it was a part of depopulation, destabilization anyway. So. But uh, it is what it is. But on another note, what makes it even more sickening is that last week uh, the FDA approved the participation for the children, the unborn. So these are the last of the purebred, thor- purebred of, of society. It happens to be in our children. And we got parents out here going to take their child to, you know, participate. And it's. It hurts me. It hurts my heart, man. But, you know, for the same people who wear the mask today, the same people who probably be out on the streets protesting for Rover's way to be the same people. Take They're the- okay with this, right? Right. Doesn't right. make sense. Not at all. But uh, so let's open up to, uh, for some questions, man. Uh, feel free to throw out some thoughts, ideas, suggestions, questions or whatever it might be. And uh, we'll do our best to share our two cents on them. Highlight at Rethinking Dollar so to stand out and we can see it. And Mario, if you see anything, jump on it. Yeah. Um, someone here says, faith parent, this mm-hmm. is sickening. I don't know if she's talking about our live stream or. Um, well, we got, uh, what she say is, is what? It's skipping. Sickening. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but we got uh, Rochelle Fernandez. Uh, let's see what uh, she's got. Uh, Michael Mario, chance you upon you guys live. What a blessing! How are my favorite YouTube doing? Test one is getting to increase jobs. Testing is, is just a way to increase jabs or jabs or jobs. I'm not sure. I assume she said jobs. 
and Rover's Way matter is happening right without who without without with who mandate. Right. So yeah, good points there. Um, what else you got there? So we did we did not touch on precious metals one bit oh, today. She meant uh, California is disgusting. California. Oh, that's what. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? And no, uh, just for the sake of, I didn't bother even look at the metals, man. I saw we were silvers down a little bit. Uh, Ma- Michael Otto says I was in the gym the other day and the guy was swimming with a mask on. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Yeah, I've seen some silliness myself. The worst is with a person driving the car by themselves, window up, mask on. I haven't seen any questions so far. Yeah, me either. So here we go. Let me see here. Let's just touch on metals real quick, and then we'll dial back. Yeah, uh, let me see I what the metal uh, talking about. Silver's today. actually uh, made a low today of twenty point six, twenty dollars mm-hmm. sixty. But it's rebounded quite well. We're up 22 cents right now, 1% at 2116. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold is up uh, $5 at 1827. So they're holding, but the, the stock market is continuing to, to move higher. The Dow is up 2%, SP 2.3, and the NASDAQ as well, 2.3. I, I think we had some uh, good economic numbers from the, UK, uh, the US today, yeah. uh, this afternoon even though we had bad ones yesterday, new home sales apparently rose almost 700,000. They're mm-hmm. expected to rise 588. And mm-hmm. I saw headlines saying that uh, Michigan inflation expectations dropped. So that was a positive, but it mm-hmm. dropped from 5.4 to 5.3. I mean, that's still pretty bad. They're <laughs> yeah, going down as a positive. Yeah, And uh, Michigan consumer uh, sentiment uh, that dropped from 50.2 to 50. So I'm not going, I'm not sure what's going on there in the uh, new home sales uh, market, mm-hmm. but uh, these numbers, I guess, can be volatile. Yeah. Here is uh, RT08 was because of 08 was, was 08 because of mortgage backed securities fought failing. Now that they are basically doing the same thing, how bad would the crash be with stagflation? Whew. Oh, man. Um, a complete shake up of the entire way of life like literally like unaffordability for things you need and the things you thought you own you're gonna find out that they ain't worth much either so it's like you know the cost of surviving will go up and everything that you thought was your net worth you know whatever you use to accumulate your net worth with will be going down so it's like you'll basically own nothing but still be required to sustain yourself in a, in a sense like you know House, house, house crash, portfolio crash. You know, you don't have that wealth, the perceived wealth. But then again, the food and everything else to, to sustain your body is still rising. If not, scarcity kicks in. The only positive about what's happening is that uh, for, you know, you're going to actually have to be productive mm. to earn a living. You won't yeah. be able to keep borrowing and spending. Uh, yeah. No credit. Credit. No credit. Yeah, and the other thing as well, I think we're already there. I mean, you look at all these disruptions, strikes. Um, we're already there. You know, the some people say, <laughs> I, I see comments a lot of times on my videos. Oh, I want to see co- the collapse. You know, I'm waiting. Where is the collapse? I think we're in it. It's mm-hmm. just that 
you know, the, the world outside is still the same and doesn't change. But they uh, haven't realized the rest of the world hasn't realized yet. Like, mm. you know, uh, the 99 percent of people who are literally still doing life and thinking that they're going back to normal. You know, like you can tell yeah. those people, the people getting tested still, the people who, you know, yeah. wear the mask still, the people. Yeah. who. And I think a lot of people, uh, they think it's temporary because of Putin and uh, Ukraine. You know, they're blaming all that for all that's happening. And they think if that ends, you know, everything will be all right. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, here's a last question. We'll do this says, what are some predictions you gentlemen miscalculated or got wrong that still has you baffled? <laughs> uh, I would say the first thing that came comes to my mind is that the fact that the plane is still in the air and it hasn't crashed or been landed before now, because I was under my, I was under the impression that March 2020 was they would they would it have been hard to revive the patient, but they pumped, they injected it, gave it stimulus, and then Uncle Sam got up or you know got off. He got up, he rose up for a minute. He's still on life support right now, but the fact that they've been able to prolong this thing so long without something severely breaking. Yeah, I, I was working in the city in 08 in the mm -hmm. financial sector, and I thought the whole thing was going to implode then, and and it almost did, but it didn't. So uh, the only reason it didn't is because they. Uh, you know, they bailed everyone out with uh, taxpayer money. You see, all the rising prices that we're seeing now, all the disruptions to the supply chain, it's all to do, uh, it goes to 08. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't fix anything, you know. Um, we still have a system that is highly financialized mm -hmm. based on credit, asset prices, inflation, deficit spending. Yeah. Uh, derivatives as well. That's very soon. They haven't reformed anything. Right. So, but they've kept that going. And um, yeah. So, um, so here's the last question. Uh, the S400 uh, it says RTD does a social credit system replace FICO one and won't this create a sense of nationalism? Um, I think in the long run, somehow, some way, uh, they will definitely uh, find a way to use that new created score, social credit score, in place of the FICO score, just because FICO score is more so geared towards your credit and your ability to be able to borrow. But if credit is not readily available or used the way that it has been, you're going to need permission. So your social credit score is more permission-based, based upon your participation in the society and, and cooperation with the state. So um i could see that being the primary usage of you know some score that people use so uh, but then that will be the ultimate form of you know the, the state literally runs and controls everything because you got to get permission everything's will be permission based in the future i think what, what i guess it's, uh, it's the big brother system isn't it mm -hmm. FICO scores just on your just if if you're a good good or bad, Borrow, bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is if you're a good uh, uh, or a good or a bad person to the state yeah, <laughs> if you're you're if you're a good debtor or not. Um, all right. Well, we are 46 minutes into it as always. Mario has so, become like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Just uh, the goal is to be truthful. Like you know, we are. I think you know, two gentlemen of 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 many that don't mind being truthful, even though truth hurts. It's painful, and but it's necessary. 
I, I will be I will be I would not be the type of guy to get out here and just paint, paint a rosy picture of like, oh, everything's fine. You know, go out and you know spend all you have, go take vacations, go shopping. No, you know, prepare, brace for brace for change. You know, look for opportunity amongst this change because, as you mentioned, we're going to get back to the point where you got to add value to somebody in order to survive. So, focus on skills accumulation so you can use them when we need it because we go back to horse and buggy type of days you're going to have to do something the world needs other than just you know take selfies and swipe <laughs> credit cards you know that stuff is done man anyway i'm ranting let's uh <laughs> let's end on a good note mario if anything comes to mind uh feel free to let us know or whatever you want to end. uh rochelle says uh that question about social credit score reminded me I still have to send you that carbon neutrality article I wrote. That's for you. Bet. Good deal. And so Rochelle, um, you know, she'll send me stuff and I'll pass it on. She's very knowledgeable and very in tune with things. So uh, send that and I'll forward it to the community. Definitely appreciate that. So, uh, well, uh, as always, it's been great hanging out this Friday. Uh, of course, we're approaching the end of June, heading to July. Summer's officially here. Uh, the BRICS are announcing some reserve currency, so it's my suspicion that before the end of this year, we may get another announcement of some kind, and we'll see where it's like. And if they announce a gold back or something or another, that could be the announcement that breaks the COMEX, or because the nation's then at that point going to clamor to get as much as they can. Therefore, you know, we could see some fireworks for real with metal prices before the end of the year. So, who knows? Or we could see a major war. Yeah, or, or the lights could go out, cyber attack. So either one. So they, I'm sure they got a couple of different avenues covered. But, um, well, be blessed, be safe, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Peace.